Hey, everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and I have a celebration guest on today. So we are hitting a milestone that I'm so proud of. So every time we've hit a milestone on this show, I always think... When, whenever I hit 50,000, I'm going to do this, or I hit 100,000, I'm going to do that. And I never have done it because you guys know how busy I am. I talk about it on wine all the time about how, how much work all this is. So this time I've really done it. I have reached out to somebody who I have been watching on YouTube for years and years. And so now I'm just fangirling all over the place because he is on the show with me today. Hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going? So you guys, this is Mike. And I know you probably already know who this is just from hearing his voice. His voice is so distinctive. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Nurse Mike with Simple Nursing from YouTube that you guys have all, I know all your nursing students are are watching him all the time, right? So Nurse Mike, tell them all about your show, your YouTube show, your Simple Nursing and all all the stuff that you got going on. Yeah, thanks so much. So you started watching me in 2015, right? Yeah. Okay, so... I started simple nursing in 2012 when I failed out of nursing school. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and when the, my project to get back into nursing school was anything I wanted it to be. So I used to teach paramedics before nursing school. I got failed out because I was late to clinicals all the time. Ah. Yeah. So my dean's like, you can, you can finish. You can probably teach some of these courses. Just show me you're serious. So I'm like, okay. So I created a boot camp for nursing students. And I'm like, you know, here's two weeks of how to time manage, how to study, how to get the concepts. And then someone in the class had this most, you know, dumbest idea, like, hey, throw this on YouTube. And I'm like, that's never going to work. <laughs> so I had an iPhone and a whiteboard from Walmart. And so I just started there. I'm like, okay, five videos, not going to go anywhere. And I was like, wow, this is getting a few thousand views. This is crazy. This is just a fluke, you know. And so I'm like, five videos turned into 50. And I'm like, okay. This is, okay, no one's going to, everyone's going to watch it, but no one would pay for a service like this. And then 50 videos became 1,200 videos. And so now we, uh, we have the number one Instagram, TikTok now, and number two in terms of YouTube. So it's, it's really cool, though, because the amount of students we've helped, I think we have pretty much close to like almost a million followers on social media. And we've helped, I think, around over like 100,000 nursing students. I, so. I'm not surprised at all. Your videos are just very easy to understand and follow. You're a very good teacher. And no, no okay. you you are. You are. You know you are. Because um, otherwise, you know, people wouldn't keep coming back. And that's the thing. It's teaching, it, I don't think everyone is necessarily yeah. talented at it. And it, yeah, if you true. you have a knack for it, there's no doubt about it. You're very creative. And not only that, you're good at getting across the information. The information is always spot on. And it's just, it's helped me pass tests. It helped me get through nursing school, pass the NCLEX. It helped me get my progressive critical care nursing certification. And it's going to help me get my <laughs> CCRN because everybody knows that. Oh, I'm, you're going to do CCRN. Yeah. Nice. So I'm, get, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting ready to study for that. And so... They're really awesome, awesome videos, and they're, it's just, it is worth um, spending the money to go ahead and, and get the rest of the uh, the videos, because what is on YouTube is wonderful, and it's great, yeah. but yeah, then yeah, you I, have the whole website, too. Yeah, YouTube only has 20, uh, 20% of our videos, mm-hmm. um, so they only have like around, I think around maybe between 150 to 200, mm-hmm. and we have 1,200 on the website. Wow. Uh, the crazy part is we just came out with an app. And now we have about 2,000 practice questions and then 
400 study guide cheat sheets that follow along the videos and like the most critical videos. And then the cool part is like, it used to be a, like as much as like a med search textbook, but now it's even half that cost now. Wow. There's so many times you buy textbooks, you don't even use it. So we want to eventually get into schools and even create like an instructor training program mm-hmm. to infuse some of our memory tricks and the way we teach stuff into the curriculum. So it'd be kind of cool. Well, I think it's great. It's going to be wonderful. And you you guys, Mike has, I reached out to Mike and asked him to come on and he is doing me a favor by being here. And I'm just so thrilled to have him. He definitely is not paid to come on the podcast or anything. He's not a sponsor. He's just... Wait, I'm not? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're just, you're just no. doing me a favor and I appreciate it so much. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, nurses help nurses. Real nurses help nurses. I Fake agree. nurses tear other nurses. I agree. That's what we're doing here. And I appreciate it. I really appreciate it so much. Yeah, of course. So we'll, having said that, we'll get into our news story because this is just a, yes. a regular old episode where we have a news story and a, a bad, you know, true crime story and then a good story to end. So yeah, I like all these. Uh, th- my first time listening to your podcast, I was like, what is this good nurse, bad nurse? It's so different. And then I got hooked. I got hooked with like the story about this. Like, I don't even know what it was. And this is like a few weeks ago when you first asked me. And it was just like this nurse that she made up like all these things to get fundraising. And yeah, I don't even know. But I was like, oh, snap. Mm -hmm. Like this is some juicy, interesting things. Like I need to start listening to this. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. And, you know, a lot of people kind of get into true crime. It's sort of a a popular thing right now. It's and it has been for a long time. But I enjoy listening to true crime podcasts. So I just kind of combined, you know, my nursing, my passion for nursing and uh, my interest in true crime and just sort of like, you know, created something to a way to kind of um, reach out to nurses, nursing students and unite everyone. So I enjoy it. So having said that, we, the news story, the past several weeks, the news story has always been something to do with COVID and I can't get away from it because every week there's something else going on. It's like, that's all anybody can talk about. And I can't, I can't, I have to talk about this subject because it's a, it's a real problem. And I, so many people have talked about the issue um, of nurses being furloughed and being, not having enough work and not getting paid, which is kind of ironic. You would think that this would that it, during this time, it would not be a problem at all, that if anyone would have a job, it would be nurses. But there's an article in the New York Times and also in the, in, from the BBC talking about how nurses are out of work right now, or there are a lot of them. If you get outside of New York City, there, yes, there are COVID patients in hospitals, but there aren't elective surgeries going on. There aren't, you know, people are trying to stay away from the hospital. So maybe even people who would come to the hospital, even if they didn't need to necessarily, they're, those people are probably staying away. And so, that's, that's crazy. yeah. One of my friends is a CRNA in uh, California, like Northern California. And he does operate like operations. And that, that's like the biggest moneymaker for like that hospital. So they're, they're really having big financial problems right now at the hospital. So. I can totally see that, yeah. Yes, and that's all over the country that this is happening. Yeah. These hospitals are suffering because they're, they, if you think about it, any elective surgery is going to be covered yeah. by insurance. You're, yeah. you're not going to have an elective surgery that's not going to be paid for mm-hmm. by insurance. That's just not going to happen. I mean, or 
somehow paying out of your pocket, I guess, but that's probably not going to happen. So the thing is, that is, those are guaranteed dollars for the hospital that are not happening right now all across this country. So the hospitals are not able, they're, they're suffering. And so what's happening is nurses, not just nurses, nurses, uh, you mentioned CRNAs, nurse mm-hmm. practitioners, doctors, CNAs, health unit yeah. coordinators, phlebotomists, respiratory therapists, you guys, radiology, everyone, everybody yeah. that we're all healthcare workers are suffering because what's happening, what I'm hearing from people is that they're being called off. So these people are contracted to work at the, at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They're being called off of their shift and told, we don't have enough work for you, stay home. And they mm-hmm. either don't get paid or they're having to use PTO. Well, if they don't have PTO, then they're just not going to get paid. Yeah. And the problem is some of these nurses are saying, well, if you're not going to have work for me, I need to do something. I can't just not work. They're mm-hmm. they're not able to get unemployment because they haven't been, quote, laid off. So mm-hmm. they're not getting unemployment. So it's you have people who are have job has closed down and they're staying at home and they're getting like something like 30% of their normal pay plus like $600 oh, a week. Yeah. Really? So yeah, you're right. talking I thought like, you were talking like one day a month or two days, like you're talking 70% of their workload or like, well, wow. what I'm saying is there are people who are being put on, who are being laid off, Yeah. who are making more money than yeah. nurses are making that in a typical paycheck. Right. Because yeah. they're getting $600 a week from that stimulus yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. Plus, 30% of their normal income for, for um, so they're being paid to stay yeah. at home probably more than they were making maybe even before. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a friend here. I'm currently in Atlanta. She was a bartender and she's getting like four grand a month. I think she was saying, or maybe 4,500 a month. She was like, yeah, I'm getting a little over a thousand a week. And she's like, yeah, I'm making more money being laid off than working. I'm like, I think the maximum, yeah. I don't know if it's different from state to state. I think the maximum in, in Tennessee is $275 a week. And for me, um, when I think about someone being laid off and getting $275, $275 a week, I think how in the world could anyone survive on that? Yeah. But then the, with the stimulus package, they're getting an additional $600 a week on top of that. So these people, that's how much yeah, yeah. money they're getting for staying at home and not having, you know, not having to do anything. And it's not their fault. There's their job closed down. But yeah. the nurses, the CNAs, the the people working at the hospital, they're not being given that option because they're not being laid off. They're just being told, we don't need you today. Yeah, yeah. The census is low. Yeah. And some of the nurses have told me that they've been told you 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 may not take a travel assignment because what? If you, right. If you take a travel assignment, you're not going to be considered rehirable at this hospital. That's dumb. Right. Sorry. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like there's they're kind of tying their hands. There no, there's no yeah. way to. What are they supposed to yeah. do? That's like you know you're a, you're in a relationship. Like let's take a break, but you can't date anyone else. Like what is what? That's exactly what it's like. And so there you don't know. My, maybe I'll get to work thirty hours this week. Maybe I'll get to work. You know Dang. whatever. Maybe I'll get to work the full thirty six or forty. But snap, who knows. So that's the problem, and I, I wanted to talk about it, even though I can't. I feel yeah. like we t- we've talked about COVID every single week, and it's it's just every week there's something else that's happened. Yeah, yeah. But this is a real issue, and I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about it. And I think that it need the public needs to be aware that this is going on. Yeah. That our healthcare quote frontline hero healthcare workers, everyone's mm-hmm. applauding and build, making signs for and putting outside the hospital, are struggling and suffering right now, and 
I haven't seen anything in bills passing in in, the, in Congress to help healthcare workers to give hazard pay or yeah. to, to try to help people who are in this situation. I feel like, you know, there, there was a time, I don't know when, I, I didn't research this. People always hate it when I start talking off the top of my head. And I, <laughs> they always send me emails and it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, seriously, people. I, I know, this is a conversational podcast. Get it, girl. It's okay. Don't don't worry about the haters. <laughs> so sometimes I'll start talking and I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll back you up. I don't care. Thanks. <laughs> this is going to be one of those times. I'm just going to warn you now. Turn it off okay. if you don't want to hear Let's it. Let's do it. Let's roll. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> what happened a long time ago is the coal mining industry took advantage of coal miners. Oh, yeah. And they, you know, that that old song, I owe my soul to the company store, that oh. came about because they had a company store in these coal mine villages and what? the coal mine industry would own, you know, they owned the store and they would give them credit to, so they, these coal miners, if they didn't have enough money, they weren't making what? enough money in the coal mine, they would be like, oh, we'll give you credit. But then they owe so much to the store that they couldn't quit their jobs and they were stuck oh, working in the coal that's mines. That's like slavery. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. They're going to do that in the hospital. That's oh, what God. happened. That's what happened in Man. the coal mine industry. And that is how unions were born. That's wh- that's yeah. where unions came from. It was a way to help the coal mine workers and just to say, we need collective bargaining and a way for them to have a voice because there's no way you're going to have a voice against this. Like if they open up a wine store for nurses and like, hey, credit. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would, you know. We'd we be would, in big oh, trouble. So, <laughs> it would be like massage therapy. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we would be in big trouble. We were like, I'll just work at the hospital forever. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got me. You got me there. You can just tell those darn hospital stores. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's another thing I, I, I've had, I've heard from a couple of people and these are anonymous sources. So I don't, I don't, I don't know where these hospitals are. I don't know who's hospital. So if you're listening, you, it's, you know exactly which, no, you kidding. know who you are. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know who you are. <laughs> Even if I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have heard that there's some things going on, like allowing nurses to go in the negative for their PTO. So basically, kind of like- That is the hospital store. Holy Kind of spotting them PTO and being like, you can go ahead and we will pay you PTO as if you had PTO. Yeah. Then when you start working and you're accruing PTO, it will pay back that PTO that you used to pay yourself when you were working. I'm so confused right now. I'm so like, what? No, 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 it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, it sounds initially like, oh, cool, like, you know, the hospital is going to spot me. Yeah. But it's like that friend who keeps on loaning you money and knowing that you're <sighs> in debt to them. So you can never like wiggle. Wait, so if you wiggle out of it and say like, oh, we want to move. Do you have to pay that back before you leave, settle your debts? That's, you that's the thing. I, because I did ask that question. I was Whoa. like, what happens if you just leave? And they yeah. said that, yeah, they will take it out of your check because you-, you That's like a new you, grad travel country. Or you travel. owe them. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. And I guess they have the option, you know, of when they're told that, like, this is the new normal. This is what's what we're having to do right now to survive. They have the option of leaving. It's just that there aren't a lot of jobs out there for nurses right now. zero pay. Yeah. Instead of a little pay. Yeah. 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 I mean, unless you want to go to New York or somewhere like that, that's really hurting for nurses. You mentioned something about they would force you to work even if you don't get paid. So what another nurse practitioner, a nurse practitioner, another source, another source, totally anonymous source. (laughs) Yeah. Her name was Debbie. 
<laughs> yeah, told me that their hospital, and this is something apparently that's happening all across the country, because when they told me this, I kind of looked into it and I'm like, oh, this is not uncommon. Mm. Their hospital and group, like group of doctors, what they're, t- what they're saying. So some of these doctors' groups are sort of like owned by a bunch of doctors, I guess, or like. Yeah, yeah. There's like, it's like an association of doctors. Right. Well, nurse practitioners work for them. PAs and nurse, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. And so they've been told like, you have to take a pay cut, but we need you to be there for all your shifts. We can't afford for, we you have to be there. So in order, so we're going to dock your pay. I'm going to take away a the equivalent of an entire shift. Oh, what? But you won't get paid, but you still have to work. Yeah. yeah. So you can choose to use PTO if you have PTO to pay for that. Snap. Maybe but this is exactly what happened to my buddy who's a nurse anesthetist, the really? CRNA. Yeah, I'm going to ask him because he works in that kind of group mm-hmm. with other anesthesiologists. And they've probably done the same thing for him because... Do you think the yeah. doctors are doing... Do you think they're doing... Because I think I read somewhere where there's even... That doctors are having to do this as well. But I, I I, just wonder. I don't know. I I would think that the whole group would take a hit. Everybody maybe, would. The, maybe the guy who founded the group or maybe like the top two wouldn't. But I mean... Or maybe they... I yeah. I mean, I get... I, who knows? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's probably dependent on which groups which. If they don't have an income, they don't. I mean, if they're really hurting for an income, I don't. This is these are definitely unprecedented times, so I don't want to be talking about this as though you know, like big bad hospital or no, 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 yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. all horrible, evil people. We got to do what we got to do. I know? think they're yeah. doing the best they can. Yeah, everyone's doing. Yeah. It's just a really difficult situation right now. We all got to do our part. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think that it's something you know. Back in 2008, when we had this huge oh, yeah. crash of the real estate market, mm-hmm. the car industry was suffering, and, mm-hmm. and there was a stimulus package to try to help our oh, really? the auto uh, industry back, yeah, in the sometime in the 2000s. Like, once again, mm-hmm. once again, Tina is going way off into the weeds and talking yeah, about yeah. something she knows <laughs> nothing about and has not researched. So I'm going to get my hand slapped. I'll back you up. I'll you back right you up here. It's like between the dot-com bubble and 2008, yeah. there was a lot of riffraff in American history. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Tina. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, I don't know. I have information in my brain. It's not always accurate. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'll help you categorize it. I'll, it just I'll wants you. to come out and it's not always right. I, I, Let it free, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first to admit it. <laughs> Let it run wild. <laughs> so I guess we can go into our bad doctor story. This is so strange, the story. Yeah. I wanted to do something that was maybe not so dark because I was having you on, you know, because I was like, okay, I want this to be kind of um, a little bit lighthearted if we can and not uh, not totally dark. Some of these bad uh, stories can get pretty. Can I do the intro to this one? Oh, please yes. do. Okay. I would love it. On a stormy winter night, the bizarre medical examiner had a frightening scene. Take away, <laughs> Tina. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. But as Mike so graciously and perfectly said, there was a very frightening scene on an early July morning in 2002. This was a while back. So a security officer at Memphis's Regional Forensic Medical Center came across a frightening scene. So he found keys on the ground and what looked like a mess of different things. He heard a banging noise from a stairwell. And as, can you imagine this? Like, first of all, I would be like, I know I'm not a security officer. And there's a reason why I'm not a security officer. I think I'd be like, I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this guy follows the sound instead of doing what Tina would do. And that's call 911 and run the opposite direction. But he finds his 
friend, Dr. O.C. Smith, begging Whoa. for help. Yeah. So Dr. Smith was the medical examiner there at the Forensic Medical Center. He had barbed wire around his head, wrists, and ankles. His arms were straight out, kind of like, what would you call that? Yeah, like the arms straight. Is that a medical position? Um, what the heck is that? I don't know. Yeah, like the T. It's kind of like the cross position. Yeah, that's a good That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. I like how I'm doing this, and this is a podcast, and nobody can... But we are I'm, videoing. Yeah. We're for the I'm first, doing it right now, yeah. I'm we're going to <laughs> put this on YouTube, so we'll have the video. So, yeah, he has his arms out in a T position with his body okay. and his wrists handcuffed to a window guard. I'm trying to, like, think about this. Yeah, it's Wait, so a, weird. Like a window with... Um, with bars on it? That's what I'm thinking. Like, okay. the bars. A window guard. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And his arms are handcuffed. Whoa. Like that, right? Okay. So he was like, okay. So it looks like, obviously, like, this is like some, like, saw, mm-hmm. like, movie horror flick. Like, yes. Okay, that's weird. Exactly. Also, in addition to this scene, I mean, that's mm-hmm. bad enough. Okay. Yeah. He had a motion-sensitive bomb strapped to his chest. What? So on the bomb... There was some weird writing with some religious references. Mm. And those references will be important kind of later on in the story. They will tie in a little bit. It's a, the whole thing is very strange, the, the whole thing that happened. But the writing was steel in the hands of the king of kings. So is that like relating to the, uh, the barbed wire? I guess. That's okay. What he said happened is that on uh, around 10 o'clock Saturday night... Mm-hmm. A man threw lye in his face. What? Lye. So that's like the stuff that you make so- they used to make soap with, I guess. It's hmm. yeah. It's very hard. It's a very harsh chemical and would do a lot of damage to your skin. Really? And he says that they someone threw lye in his face and forced him down the stairs. And he said it was really dark. And he said all he saw was the hand, and then he saw the caustic fluid, and that it hit his face, so he dropped his keys. And then he felt mm-hmm. another gush of the of the liquid. And he said a few seconds later, he felt barbed wire on him. Oh, snap. Yeah. So he said he could feel the pain of the wire, but he couldn't see, and he didn't know what was causing the pain. So he felt it, but he wasn't sure what it was. Hmm. He said it wasn't cutting his skin, but it was kind of pushing on pressure points. And he said it would produce a tremendous amount of pain, but actually didn't, you know, puncture the skin and cause any damage. Okay, okay. So it wasn't like, it was just holding him there from moving? Right. Just kind of keeping him. But of course, having the bomb there, I'm sure that was really scary. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So he could feel the pain. He said he could feel the pain of the wire, but he... Couldn't see, he couldn't tell what it was. And he said that when he was on the, the ground face down, the person that was attacking him sat on his back and tied his feet with the barbed wire first before he tied his wrists. Okay. Then he picked him up and barbed his wrists together and tied him to the window guard with the barbed wire. Hmm. Then he, the attacker put the bomb around his neck so that it kind of just rested there on his chest. And huh. he whispered to him. He's, Twist it. Shake it. Move it and you're dead. When I first read that, I was like, what? <laughs> Twist it, shake it, what the heck? 
twist it, shake it, move it. That, that sounds like the bop it, like twist it, pull it, bop it. I know. I first read it, I was like, what am I reading? But I guess this, yeah, this does sound like a movie, like the Saw movie. It really does. Five seconds. It's so creepy. But yeah, he was like, he was like, welcome to death row. If you move, basically, he's like, if you move at all. And remember, this guy's a medical examiner. So when you think about, you know, the the backstory of why why would someone want to do this to him as the county's chief medical examiner, he had worked on a lot of cases. Okay, that makes sense. Causative. Right. And so a little bit uh, just before Mm. the time of this attack, he was very involved in a case that was in the spotlight at the time. And that was the case of Lieutenant Ronald Oliver and Philip Workman. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. But Philip Workman, this story, when I saw this in this story, I just immediately knew what it was because I remember this was a story that there was a lot of controversy over whether or not he should have been executed because of there was it was sort of a botched investigation. So Lieutenant, he was a he was a police officer? Well, or? Lieutenant Ronald Oliver was a police officer at the time. Okay. And what happened is Philip Workman was burglarizing a Wendy's okay. in this area. And oh, so okay. he, while he's burglarizing the Wendy's, All right. he allowed one of the workers to stand up and stretch her leg because she said she was having um, a cramp. When she did, she tripped the silent alarm. So the the police came. And when they came, he ran out. And as he's running away, one of the police officers, and that's Lieutenant Oliver, he was Mm -hmm. shot and killed. What? Right. So Hmm. Philip Workman was obviously, he was arrested. And he went on trial for, for murder. And it was a capital murder because it was a police officer. There's lots of reasons why, you know, and this differs state to state, but there are lots of different reasons why it was considered a capital murder or the the death penalty was on the table. Oh, yeah. But if you knowingly create a a great risk of death to two or more people other than the victim, if it's committed, the murder's committed for the purpose of avoiding or interfering with um, being arrested— there's yeah. just lots of different, uh, but the fact that it was a police officer and he definitely knew he was a police officer that he was shooting, yeah, that in and of itself, all by itself is going to qualify him for the death penalty. So, okay, that makes sense. The thing is, there was someone who testified at that during the, the trial mm-hmm. who said that he was there in the parking lot and saw Philip Workman shoot that police officer. And that was. Okay. It was one of the main reasons that the jury chose to give him the death penalty because they felt like there's no doubt in anyone's mind that... The eyewitness, yeah. Right, he shot him. So then this medical examiner that we're talking about here, he also testified that the gun that Philip Workman had Mm -hmm. that he was using for the burglary was the weapon that was used to kill Lieutenant Oliver. So... He was convicted and he was sentenced to death. And through the years, there was a lot of there was a lot of effort made to try to prove that he might not have been the one okay. to actually shoot him. So the testimony yeah. given by that the man who said he was there in the parking lot, he admitted at some point years later that he lied 
about that. No. Because he wanted to get the reward and because he was a dr- he was addicted to drugs and he no. yeah. Dang. So, yeah. Wait, so did he have a gun or not? Because I mean he, he had to hold up a Wendy's yes. without a gun. How do you not have one? He definitely had a gun. It's just that the testimony of an eyewitness yeah. saying that he definitely saw him. The ju- what the jury said, there were several members of the jury at some point later mm-hmm. who said that they probably would not have given have given him the death penalty had it not been for that testimony because maybe there would be some question as to whether or not it was because the investigators did not examine the weapons, the bullets. They didn't really examine the crime scene well enough Mm-hmm. To be able to show that he definitely was the one that shot him. Oh, okay. So the, there's like this whole controversy behind like they didn't do their job. Because my, my dad's actually a police officer oh. in, in LA, uh, Los Angeles. And he was a detective for like 30 years. Interesting. I, I would imagine that most people, myself included, would just think that police officers know how to investigate. And they're they're not going to make yeah, mistakes. Right. And they're going to, you know, do. But I mean, it's probably like every everyone thinks a nurse can like, you know. Mm-hmm. All nurses know everything medical, right? But it's like, well, if you've only been doing dermatology for 10 years, <laughs> I don't know if you know how to run a code anymore. Same thing with doctors. So the yeah, same exact yeah, exactly. thing. You assume yeah. if it's a, if someone is a medical doctor, they, they know everything they need to know about medicine. That's just not true. So, yeah, yeah. and people make mistakes. And, and that, that's kind of where I think people were coming from with this. It's, it's like, if you look at the story just based on what happened, you know that he held up a Wendy's. For one yeah. thing, he spent 25 months in prison just before this. Oh, man. Yeah. So everyone, he does. Yeah, he's not looking he good. Didn't, yeah, he really didn't have a good track record. He was yeah. he was sentenced to five years in prison for burglary a, okay. a few years before, and he only served 25 months. And then he he was he had a very bad um, addiction to cocaine. Oh, no. which is why he was holding up the Wendy's to, to begin with to try to get money. So let me get this straight in my mind. The, okay, so the story starts as a medical examiner gets like this like saw, like horror flick, mm-hmm. like, you know, handcuffed and barbed wired in like the stairwell. Right. And this kind of side story is like, he was the medical examiner that was supposed to do this, I guess, like the autopsy for like, that dead police officer. Yes. That's like a whole political case. Exactly. Okay. 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 So that's full circle. Okay. So the, that that would be a reason why, because there were there was a lot of controversy. It was definitely in the spotlight. There was a lot of talk about it. Yeah. So it made sense that there there would be a reason, a motive for someone to pull some kind of stunt like this, even if it was a fake bomb, even if they were just doing it for to try to get the media's attention. To maybe draw attention to the medical examiner. Who knows what the reason would be for doing something like that. Yeah. But that's kind of what was going on. And so the once this kind of happened and the investigators were kind of looking at all of the evidence and kind of considering his story of his, his take on what happened, they didn't necessarily feel like his account of what happened was matching up with the evidence. Okay. There there could be a reason for someone to do this. It's not totally out of left field that someone would be wanting that kind of attention and to be drawing attention to this to try to get publicity. But when the defense asked for pictures from the autopsy to prove their case, they were never provided with them. And hmm. it's kind of understood that some other sketchy things 
were going on. For instance, Dr. Smith was, he actually withheld some x-rays for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And when the defense finally got a hold of the x-rays, there was actually enough evidence when when examining those x-rays that they reopened the case and were were considering it. So he says that he didn't know the x-rays were still in his office, but... Yeah. I mean, it's a huge political case. So Mm -hmm. so imagine this, like, imagine if that police officer did have friendly fire. Let's say he shot himself by accident, which happens a lot. Like my dad says, like, he's known so many police officers that fire, like, what's it called? A uh, handgun goes off in the locker room and end up in the hospital. Mm. So imagine if he did shoot himself and hit the femoral and just bled out. And then this medical examiner that's supposed to kind of like, you know, do all like the CSI type stuff. Right. If they're withholding evidence, like, holy crap. Not only did a guy lie saying he saw, what's his name, shoot the cop, but then this doctor's holding evidence. Like, dude, this, yeah, okay. Exactly. So, you know, you might look at this and think, well, there's no way if he if he went and held up this Wendy's, yeah, right. He yeah. had a gun. He was running away. It just sounds. What right. are the chances that yeah. that police officer either shot himself or one of the other police officers accidentally shot that police officer? You know, trying to shoot at at this person at Philip Workman. Yeah, but the, yeah. but the thing is, if the investigation wasn't done properly, that's the problem. Yeah. Yes, it may seem very outlandish that the police officer would have been killed by anyone other than Philip Workman. The fact is that that investigation should have been carried out appropriately and professionally. And if it had been, then there would have never been any question. And it's not really fair to the defendant. So this story gets even juicier, right? There oh, was, yeah, of course. There was letters being sent. <laughs> of course. <somewhere. laughs> yes. Love letters. Three threatening letters were sent out at, around the same time with that sort of odd religious writing that we were that we were talking about earlier on the bomb. Oh yeah, twist it, shake it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, no, yes. no, 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 that was not. <laughs> I don't think that's religious. It, it, yeah, it was the still in the hand of the <laughs> King of Kings. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, the letters were sent to the district attorney and a reporter from the Commercial Appeal. Like, I'm assuming that's some sort of. Um, newspaper or something at the time. Yeah. And then one of Philip Workman's attorneys also got one of these letters. So these letters are being sent out to all these people. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same sort of cryptic, uh, Mm. mysterious kind of, kind of thing with this um, religious language. Huh. But this is like, they sent it to all the heavy hitters here. Mm -hmm. So the district attorney that was probably going to be prosecuting the case. Right. The appeals, the reporter. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then one of the attorneys from, so it kind of looks like they're targeting everyone, but it seems like only this medical examiner that botched the case mm-hmm. was targeted like physically. So, yeah. Okay. And they, the letters had this kind of, you know, that same sort of language, but in it maybe a different spin on it. One of them said something like so, a soulless demon called Dr. Smith, a soulless demon referred to Philip Workman as an innocent child of God. Even if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, we do not know whether or not he killed yeah. the police officer. The fact is that you do know that he, he was burglarizing at gunpoint yeah, yeah. innocent I mean, people at, at a Wendy's. So both, Yeah, in jail, had a gun. He really did stick up. A, okay. Yeah. 
So yeah. those things definitely happened. Now, a few months before his attack, there was a bomb and, and some other explosives found on a metal tray on the stairs outside of the regional forensic center. And, doc- mm-hmm. and Dr. Smith was the one to come out and confirm that they were actually explosives. It wasn't ever discovered who wrote the letters. They never they never were able to track down who wrote those letters. All right. So there were a few holes in his story. Okay. He was in excellent physical health for one thing at the time that this happened. He had been in the military. Oh, the, the doctor? Mm-hmm. He, okay. He told multiple people about having to go on secret missions Ooh. while he was in the service. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were wondering, why didn't you fight back if you have this, you're obviously physically fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people were thinking at the time is, if if he started with your ankles. Yeah. And your hands were free, then. Wait, so like, maybe he had, was like held up at gunpoint, but let's be honest, if there's two, if he had to have two people, mm-hmm. so one holding the gun and the other one tying the ankle. Yeah. Handling barbed wire, this person would have had to have had about three, to, at least three arms, if not four, to be able to <laughs> hold him down. And I did say he was on, on his back, sitting on his back. But okay. So he's sitting on his back, okay. tying his ankles. So he had to have been sitting on his back facing his feet. Okay. Right? Yeah. And his arms would have been free. Okay. And well, I mean, if, if the guy had a gun, like, I wouldn't have moved, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. And I, yeah. I I guess, I mean, really, you, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt if, you, if you're found with barbed wire around you. And yeah. No, I don't think anyone knows how they would react in a situation like that. And to, to just assume that, well, you were physically fit, you could have gotten away, I don't think is really yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with all the adrenaline going and how, you know, how afraid you might be. Yeah. That's like saying everyone at Wendy's could have escaped, you know, like. Yeah, why didn't you do they something? Could run. Yeah, why didn't you run? Like, dude, the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. So when people in the military testified at his trial, they pretty much were saying that his record showed nothing about any secret missions that he went on when he was in the military. Okay, wh- why would he want to do this to himself then? Oh, I, I mean... To me, the the fact that he would tell all these stories and then the military came along and said, no, none of that stuff happened. Oh, about a secret mission? That almost, to me, lends itself to, that gives some credibility to the prosecution side for me because it says that he liked to just make up stories to get attention and make himself look. So he's an attention seeker. I mean, that's kind of what, I can't think of another reason why you would do that, really. I mean. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, imagine if, like, you know, you're working with the nurse that talks about these glory days of her as, like, a flight nurse and all this mm-hmm. war medic, and she's never been a flight nurse or a war nurse or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we found her in the stairwell, you know, with a bomb on her. <laughs> you might be it's thinking. Like, oh, pff, she's lying, too. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, though, you know, they're, you got the thing about the military. Okay, he's a liar. He didn't have any... F- real physical injuries for someone who had barbed wire. If someone's going to put it on you and hold you with a bomb on you, I don't think they're going to be gingerly about it. They're probably going to, you know. Yeah, that's my thing. You would think that there would at least be some... Some scratches, yeah. There were some superficial scratches, but there were not any serious... Lacerations, I'm kind of like you. I feel like there would have been at least one or two serious, pretty, you know, thick 
hmm. lacerations. And there wasn't anything like that, apparently. Hmm. Just some very superficial scratches that anybody, you know, could have done to themselves just in the process of trying to put the barbed wire on himself. He would have probably even accidentally done it. I totally forgot that uh, he had chemicals thrown in his face, too. That's another thing. The lie apparently is very strong and you can't, if if your skin comes in contact with it, it's going to damage the skin and it should have been really obvious. And there was, there was no, there were no burns, no chemical burns Hmm. anywhere on him. Interesting. So... You know, his employees, of course, they know that he likes to share stories about himself to make himself. They picked up on, I think it seems like they picked up on the fact that he would tell stories that seemed a little far fetched. Yeah. So then as soon as this happened, some of his coworkers were kind of going. Oh, yeah. "Mm, Did he really? Mm -hmm." Yeah, that's I, I can totally see that. Yeah. Like that nurse at Nurse's Station that yeah. talks about all the... And it's like, no. Did that really happen? I don't think so. So, yeah, yeah they start asking you, what if, what if he actually did this to himself? Yeah, like the lie in the face was really the lie in the face. Get it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. I see what you did there, Tina. Uh-huh. Like, you're, you're going to bring this... Okay, I'll let you finish. We're going to come I, all I the way back I around. see where you're going with this. All right. <laughs> so, with all of this evidence... The, he obviously was arrested and went to trial, but the jury okay. couldn't find enough evidence to be absolutely sure beyond a reasonable doubt, which, of course, you have to be in order to convict someone. You would you mm-hmm. would want that. Even if you can look at a situation like this and think you can, you know, hammer out all the evidence and just think there's no way that this is possible in your yeah. mind. The fact is there really wasn't any evidence actual evidence. And and so I can really see a jury being Mm. sort of split because I think I could definitely see there being a handful of people who who would say, no, I think that is enough evidence and that who would have probably convicted him. But there weren't, they didn't have 12 people that could agree to that. And so it was a hung jury. One, huh? Yeah, I definitely know that. You have to have 100% yeses on there, you know, like guilties in order for you to get a guilty. If one person is a holdout, that's going to be a hung jury. Now they can... Um, retry it. The prosecution can choose to retry the case. It's mm-hmm. not like if they if they say not guilty, they cannot retry the case. Hmm. If it's a hung jury, the prosecution can retry and get a whole new set of 12 people and present the evidence maybe in a different way or whatever. Mm. They did not choose to do that in this case. And so wow. it never went back to trial. But because of all that was going on, a spotlight on him, he did lose his job as chief medical examiner. Oh, snap. So this whole like thing backfired on him. Yeah. The oh, psych- there was a psychiatrist that testified during the trial that said that Dr. Smith had, quote, factitious victimization disorder. And apparently oh. that's a thing. That must be a... Oh. So people who, may, you know, want to make up bad things that happen to themselves so that they can get attention for it and sympathy. Yeah. So after the trial, Dr. Smith went into private practice and was and began testifying as an expert witness for different trials. So what? Uh huh. My thing is, as a you def- can go into private practice. I thought they pulled his. Okay, anyway, they did um, not take his medical license. They just oh, he lost his job as job. a medical examiner. Okay. So huh. my my thing is, if you're a defense attorney, if you're 
any sort of defense attorney worth your degree. Yeah. You, would you not pounce on that in a second mm. if this expert witness was somebody who was on trial for faking? Yeah, that's interesting, right? But I mean, like, if it's for their case and supporting their cause, they probably overlooked it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's true. If But either side would be using it. Like, yeah. And then, well, yeah, that, that, that opens like a huge like liability in terms of like the other side can say, well, your medical examiner was like a liar and fictitious uh, right. victimization disorder, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Boom. You like how I dropped that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hopefully I get this right. Well, he did end up, I don't know what he died of, um, but he died about a year ago in 2019 at the age no of 66. Way. And I mean, I think he just, you know, died of natural causes. Um, oh, snap. What yeah. does that even mean anymore? Natural causes. I mean, I guess, you know, just whatever, you know, like he was, it wasn't homicide or, or taking oh, his own life it. or okay. anything like that. Yeah. Dang. And that, that was our bad doctor story for this week. That's so cool. But we have a really cool, good nurse story. It is a nurse. Usually I do, if I do a bad doctor, I try to do a good doctor or, or vice versa. But I wanted to do this story so much because when I saw the video, I was just so blown away by how wonderful it was and beautiful it was. And it has nothing to do with, with COVID. So I was just like, oh, God, thank you. Wow. It's hard to find anything in the news. It had nothing to do with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it might. It might have something to do with COVID. And I'll tell you why. Oh, really? Yes. I'm going to weave this in. I'm, I'm going to wordsmith this. <laughs> so, so stay tuned. So this week, our good nurse story is a nurse who, well, first of all, her name is Tilda Shaloff. She was she found a way to take all of these little oh, yeah. caps and little pieces of uh, debris, this garbage, really, that we accumulate when we're working as a nurse at the bedside taking care of patients. So, like, for instance, the little vial, um, if you think of, like, a little Nexium uh, vial that has, yeah, like, yeah. the little powder that you have to reconstitute, that little purple top. You've All the caps and lids and, like, uh, insulin tops and things like that. Everything. And, insulin And even, tops like, uh, and what's it called? Um, IV caps. IV caps. Yes. Oh, yeah. The little round caps that go on the end of, like, art lines and... Oh, yeah. Piggybacks and Piggybacks. Yeah. Um, the, the tiny little purple inserts that you take out when in the blood sugar lancets mm -hmm. that we're going to get to because <laughs> I know. that is how this all ties into covid oh so yeah as we're as we're like we're probably going to play like a video of what's it called of this entire thing mm -hmm. but the dude i'm watching it right now and i'm like man the amount of tension to detail like this is a beautiful like well yeah because she took all of this crazy. stuff yeah, and just created the most beautiful artwork. It's this gorgeous mural. Yeah. And it's just, I can't even believe how beautiful it is. Like, it's so, all the details that are in it. After you said that about tying it into COVID, I looked at it and I was like, you know what? That little thing on the very right, uh, bottom right kind of looks like the COVID virus. Yeah, yeah, it does look like the COVID virus Yeah, yeah <laughs> on that mural. But I don't think that was intentional, but... Maybe it is. It's like, ooh, it's going to get you. Maybe it's just kind of... She didn't even realize that she was doing it. She said that she started back in 1987 when you were born. She started... She, was, she started doing this? She started collecting the the, oh. the 
the caps and, and all of the different little plastic colorful pieces. Wow. And oh, found wow. herself with bags upon bags what of the heck? all the stuff in storage. Oh my God. She said, all clean, good? never touched by patients, is what she says. No, where where did she say that? Dang it, my case for <laughs> Corona is gone. I just threw a huge wrench right into it. <laughs> Wait a minute. If it was never used by patients, okay, well, at least she's talking about the Lancet because, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, mm-hmm. I want to show you. Mm-hmm. There's like there's like a zoom and close stand of this lancet that look used. Because the lancets I use at my hospital, they poke and they pull in. Yeah. And so that means you have like that patient's blood on there. Right. So forever in place in time into this huge Yeah. It's inside there. Yeah. It's inside yeah. the um the white yeah. casing. Right. The blood would be in there. Long story short, she got fired because it was a biohazard. That's not true. And, uh, <laughs> so is it a good nurse or is it a bad nurse? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but she, um, she, I mean, this is beautiful. And I just, I'm so just impressed with. It really is. The, how long it had to have taken for her. Because it's not just like random yeah. designs. They're very intricate, right? So there's like faces. Yeah. COVID. COVID. Yeah. There's like a cell being lysed. And then the other one looks mm-hmm. like, a, what's it called? Like RNA or DNA, that rep, replication. Right. Like a, like a cell's coming together with like a phospho, phospholipid bilayer. I can see that. Oh, right. You know all this yeah. stuff because you teach it all the time. And I'm just like, I don't know <laughs> you what you You see the said. nuclei and the... You just uh, said a lot of words. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's Anyway, it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I love when you watch the video of her... And in like this little news segment that she did oh, yeah. talking about it. She's so cool. And she talked about how how this all all those little pieces remind her of the patients that she's taken care of over the years. Some of them that had good outcomes, some of them that didn't have good outcomes. But she mm-hmm. they're they kind of live on, she said, in her heart and maybe through this art as well for, you know, anyone that, you know, looks at it. It's I just oh my gosh. I love stuff like that. I'm a, such a sucker for stuff like that. I love it. It really like I wonder how long it actually took her to make it mm-hmm. like it took her what maybe 20 years to collect all the things right which if you look at it like maybe for one person to collect it all like as a hospital wide they probably could collect that in what a few weeks maybe, maybe. well 10 it was 10,000 the finished product has 10,000 pieces no. wow but maybe i i don't know i would think because you would you would want to have plenty of all those different pieces yeah you, know? Yeah, you don't know what you're going to use that's true and so, how did she even plan this out? It's nine feet by four feet. That's how. Oh my! That's gosh. how big the mosaic like, is. Do you ever think, like halfway through this, she was like, maybe I should do a miniature version first? You know, I would <laughs> or, like have the probably, picture frame version. I would have gotten overwhelmed. I don't know. It's just it's That's insane. It seems it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It makes me want to do one, but not one that big. I like maybe a very, <laughs> very, very small, like eight by ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I want the wallet size version. <laughs> Heck yeah. She said that she hopes young doctors and nurses will see that mosaic and hopefully it will make them remember that all the little things we do are huge for the patient, which I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, I love her. But she's an awesome nurse. And she's a Canadian nurse, right? She's, oh, well, yeah, because it's at Toronto General Hospital. So yeah. Oh, dang. No, but that's so cool. Like nurses nation, nurses worldwide, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I just got, I just finished my master's in uh, nursing education. I was thinking about getting a job like in Australia as a nursing professor. 
Really? Yeah. And I was like, what? I just talked to this guy in Brisbane, Dr. Mike, and we're going to collaborate on some like um, anatomy physiology videos. But I'm like, man, like I know nurses that can go to Toronto from the United States and we can go to the UK. And I I, I know England was hiring a professor of nursing. And I'm like, man, that would be so interesting, right? Like That sounds really interesting. And there are actually a lot of people that listen to this podcast in Australia and in the UK. So who knows? Somebody may hear this. Yeah, tell me to come. Yeah, spread the word, people. Help a help a sister and a brother out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess that's it. We've somehow managed to get through this episode, and I am just have had so much fun. This has just been like the the best. Like, (laughs) it's just been great. I, I watched your shows, like I said back when I I mean I graduated in 2015, so I probably listened to your. I probably watched your YouTube videos in 2013, 14, you know, like all through nursing wow. school. So it's um, whenever I met, I would have never thought you would have even gotten my message. And then I was like, um, <laughs> I'm just going to send him a message. You responded back to me. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's so funny because everyone always says that. And if you guys are listening to this, if you add us on Instagram, nine times out of 10, I'll see your message. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a social media manager. We have two of them, but we go, we take a lot of pride in like going through each message hand by hand. That's not like, not the case on, um, on Facebook, <laughs> to be honest. Facebook is like, oh man, like you have a fan page, email inbox, then you have it's a personal much. inbox, then you have a group in. Yeah. So Instagram is the way to go if you guys want to message us. But yeah, thank you so much for uh, reaching out. I was like, oh, cool. Another podcast. This is like my third this year. Good. And so I think this is the funnest one. I've you need on. to start a podcast, Mike. Come on. I know. Get I need to do like lectures. I mean, other than like having like a pharmacology, because we just launched a course called Five Minute Pharmacology, mm-hmm. like the top 150 drugs. And I can just put those audios probably on podcast. They yeah. will eat it up. Do yeah. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So yeah. All right. Well. Remind everyone where they can find you. Yeah. You guys can find me at simplenursing.com forward slash underscore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, um, <laughs> simplenursing.com. Um, and then anywhere on all our platforms, TikTok, we just launched. That's getting really big. I think we only we almost have like 10,000 followers in like the first week. So that's pretty cool. And then you can find me on YouTube, obviously. But really, Instagram and YouTube are what we check the most. Facebook, we do have. But uh, we just have a fan page. We just repost stuff from Instagram. And then was, what else was I saying? I forgot. But yeah, engage with us. Um, send us a message. If you heard this podcast, we want to know about it. So please like, let us know on Instagram. Um, just DM me because I really want to know who's listening. Which one of our followers are listening to this? Oh. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I want to know too. Inquiring minds want to know. Yes. All right, you guys. Well, you know where to find me at goodnursebadnurse.com or GNBN Podcast on Facebook or Good Nurse Bad Nurse on Instagram. And I love hearing from you guys. Please send me your ideas, your stories, your hometown stories, and whatever you have um, going on around you. I love hearing from you. I really appreciate you. And I also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. (laughs) 